Hello and welcome to an all new episode of The Spotlight. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I am so happy to be with you on this Friday night. I am joined by the beautiful, the, the young, the talented Jen. How you doing, Jen? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Now, for those who may not be familiar with you from our other shows, this is the first time you are on the spotlight as a, a co-host. Uh, give a little background on yourself, Jen. Well, I live in the beautiful state of Hawaii. I am an author. Uh, nothing you've heard of, probably. I'm a former film student. I'm a student of mythology, and I'm an avid lover of television, movies, any kind of visual entertainment. And I have my own blog. And what is the name of that blog? Oh, <laughs> of course, I should probably say that. It's called Critical Last. All right. And uh, tell us about some of the things that we can find on that blog. You can find, at the moment, we're restructuring, but you can usually find past episodes of TV series that we go in depth on, uh, we look at animation, we look, we look do, or we do some pretty deep dives on the myth and sort of the folklore storytelling that goes into the creation of a lot of different series on TV. So it's not just sort of a series recap, it's actually looking at what motivates these stories being told in this particular time and how do they relate to stories that have been told in the past. All right. So, um, how often do you get do you blog? I right now I'm actually talking like once a week. Real life is definitely pulling me hard in the other direction. But usually, uh, when we're really busy, both myself and uh, my my co-writer, we usually blog maybe three or four times a week. It depends on also what series are really active and whether there's sort of uh, something big going on. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I try to to uh, blog myself, but I'm just I'm so busy. And, you know, one thing about blogs, you got to keep active and keep putting out content. So, uh, you know, kudos to you for out there, you know, get, being out there and putting out that content. I know it's not very easy. It, it, you know, it's not easy, but I'll tell you, once you start writing something that you passionately love, it's less of a chore and more of almost a need. So, mm. there's that. So just get addicted to it, and that's how you can you're able to put out content. Yeah, like any good addiction, it'll just feed itself. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, before we introduce our guest for tonight, I want to start off by saying that um, uh, something wonderful just concluded. And that was the revival of a series that I grew up loving, uh, going back to, you know, way back when. Um, a lot of times in, with Hollywood, <laughs> lately they've been reviving shows and rebooting movies and, you know, making sequels to movies that came out like 30, 40 years ago. And this was one of the few of those projects where I was totally excited for this this was something i was so glad that they did bring back and i thought they did it in a tremendous way um and that is of course twin peaks and uh you know i i wanted i'm so glad that jen you are here to uh to chop it up with me because i know that you were a fan as well right i definitely was a huge fan 
when when Twin, when I found out that Twin Peaks was going to be revived, uh, that there were so many questions that I had about what happened in the past that whether they answered them all or not, it just seemed like such a great world to get lost in. And sure enough, they did not disappoint. I I, I actually feel like they did a better job this time around, if that's possible, than they did before because not just were the production values amazing, but there was something of, uh, uh, it, it almost didn't take itself quite as seriously, and so it felt like they had so much more fun with it. Yeah, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit later in the show more so about how we felt overall about how the run uh, took place this year and, and give some maybe theories that both of us have. But we are so blessed to be joined by actor Robert uh, Broski. Am, am I saying it right? Is it Broski, sir? How do you do? Yes, that that's fine. Broski is fine. All right. And you may know this man. He played the woodsman in the very exciting episode eight of uh, this uh, season three of Twin Peaks. How, how are you doing uh, tonight? And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And I'm doing wonderful. And hello, Jen. Hello. Now, we're going to, uh, of course, talk about your turn on Twin Peaks. But as we love to do on this show is we love to start off from the beginning. So where were you? Where were you born? Uh, where are you from originally? Holy you want the way back at the beginning. Well, I'm in my 60s. So how long is this show going to run for? <laughs> uh, well, it's up to you, sir. <laughs> so you, you're from well, uh, Poland? Well, Believe it or not, I am a local boy. I was born and raised here in Southern California. Right. I only live 15 miles from the actual hospital where I was born, so uh, I plan on sticking around for a while. All right, a fellow native. Uh, I am. I'm from here as well. Um, so, were you one of those people that, um, at a very early age, you knew you wanted to be an actor? No, not at all. I was really shy as a young man. Uh, in school, I did very little other than what I was told to do or what I was supposed to do, and I never stretched my uh, talents at all in drama or theater. I just kind of played the game, got along with everybody, and graduated. All right. Now, um, a lot of actors that we've talked to, they've had their um they had their early beginnings in uh, theater is that the same for you sir no it was not i no actually believe it or not i have been married for 42 years probably a little longer than both of you've been al alive <laughs> and i raised four children doing construction which uh is pretty popular here in california they're always building something so I was able to uh, raise four children doing construction and a few other little things here and there. And one day I said, you know what? I've been running myself ragged. Let's try something different, something enjoyable. And I did what they tell you not to do. I opened up a newspaper, saw an ad in there pertaining to, do you want to be in the movies? And I looked at myself and I said, well, sure I do. So I actually submitted my name and information to the ad in the newspaper and i guess you can say it's kind of history from then now you know wow oh go ahead uh, i'm sorry jen 
I, I was just going to say, is that is, is, did when you auditioned for this job, did you audition for this job uh, based on a lead, or did you, or did somebody tell you to go audition for this? This, as the whole show has been a mystery, the auditions were a mystery. They didn't give you very much information. It was just very vague about, um, you know, someone who's a little different, a little spooky, a little weird. Uh, for me, it was kind of like I took it as tall and thin and kind of just maybe not all there. And so the auditions were... Uh, just kind of looking at us and talking to us a little bit. Nothing, no lines that we could probably, you know, sneak online somewhere and uh, let the let the cat out of the bag. And um, so we auditioned, and uh, then they just had to shoot, and it was still kind of a mystery until you tried to, to look at who's here and who's there, who's standing in the corner, and we kind of were starting to put it all together that, ooh, I think something's coming back after 25 years. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're oh, gonna, awesome. now we're going to talk more about Twin Peaks, but before we get into Twin Peaks, I, I wanted to um, I wanted to kind of go over uh, how you ended up uh, getting to, getting there. Uh, now, a lot of us, I think we we watch television and movies and stuff, and some of us think that you know we can I can do that right I I, I can I can act I can do that. Um, at what point? In, in your career, did you realize this was acting was for me, that this wasn't just something that I was trying or, you know, or maybe kind of a dare or whatever? When was it that you realized, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was meant to act? I've been doing this for about, oh, probably eight, nine, probably nine years now only. And starting off was, I guess you could say like walking learning how to walk. Uh, It was all new to me. I had fears like any other actor starting out. There were times that I had to just toughen it up and walk into the audition, go through my lines, mess them up, apologize and walk out. And I just never gave up. I did not refuse to go to an audition because I knew how it's going to be twice as hard the next time. After a few successes, getting on set, meeting just all the wonderful, believe it or not, they are wonderful people behind the scenes, all 50 of them. And it was just a neat experience, a neat learning experience and just talking with everybody and acting in front of the camera. And I said, you know what? I think I could do this. Mm. Now, uh, you've, you have, are getting known to be uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, now, you do favor Abraham Lincoln quite a bit. So I can only imagine before you started acting, you have people were telling you that, right? Correct. Yes, I had a, a good friend of mine would walk up to me and he'd look at me and he'd raise his hand and he'd go four score and seven <laughs> years ago, and we'd both laugh. And I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, I am not a historian. I wasn't totally in love with our founding fathers or Abraham Lincoln. And the opportunity came up after I started acting and answering that ad in the newspaper. There was an opportunity for a Abraham Lincoln in a small production called Grace Bedell. And so I auditioned. They liked my long, thin, horse-like face, I guess. <laughs> and I had about a month month and a half to grow the beard and I said let me grow the beard and we'll see what the heck it looks like and once I grew it 
looked in the mirror, I said, this is my destiny. This is what I'm here for. So it pretty much changed my life. Now, you've played Abraham Lincoln in a lot of different productions. Um, can you kind of give us a rundown of some of the different productions that you've played Abraham Lincoln? <clears throat> I've done uh, theater, uh, which, you know, we had a couple years back, we had our 150th anniversary of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln uh, being president and uh, in office and getting shot which I don't like to remember, but anyway, that's what happened. And uh, so there was a lot of things going on. So I had done some theater as Abraham Lincoln, the life of Abraham Lincoln. We did a, a couple of commercials having to do with Abraham Lincoln. A lot of them were tongue-in-cheek, but I think Mr. Lincoln would uh, approve of them. And then uh, uh, a couple of TV shows, or uh, like kid shows, I had done a couple of them, which is always fun. And so it just kind of kept evolving, and someone would see me in one thing and say, hey, you got to get that Lincoln, and I would come in for an audition, and there we go. We'd be doing something else. <laughs> now, I see that you played Abraham Lincoln in a, a show called The Haunted Hathaways. Uh, what, what was that, uh, Abraham Lincoln, like, uh, or that experience? Oh, funny, funny. Yes, The, the Haunted Hathaways, yes. Um, it was... Me, kind of, well, when you're doing kids stuff or kids shows, you kind of, things are always over the top and a little more exaggerated. And that was fun because that was a stretch for me. You know, Mr. Lincoln is a rather serious gentleman. And to kind of let, let your hair down a little bit and kind of express yourself was uh, a challenge, but it was a very enjoyable challenge. And then also... Uh also, you played Abraham Lincoln in Pee Wee's Big Holiday. What was that like? No, oh, that was fun. With uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman. It was that was a crack up. It was uh, a kind of a chance meeting where he falls down a hole and he lights a match, and there before him is me, and I'm telling him to eat his vegetables or to eat his broccoli. Um, and there you go. You can see Mr. Lincoln uh, being that way to somebody. You know, kind of tell them the right thing to do and when to do it and uh it was just it was just a great couple of scenes and there again all the people were just fantastic that sounds like it was a lot of fun it looks like that was a lot of fun to do oh definitely yes and and at the time and at the moment it's uh believe it or not it turns people to i think to their childhood because innocently uh the uh production people would come up to me or the other actors and say hey can I have a photograph with you? And I would say, I would be honored to. So I think it kind of brings the kid out in them, something that they read about when they were a child, and they said, hey, Abraham Lincoln, I kind of like that guy. I'd like to have a photograph with him. <laughs> now, um, since you, you play Abraham Lincoln quite a bit, um, was it? did you know a lot about him? And it, I mean, besides what we all know, uh, did you familiar, familiarize yourself more with with uh, maybe some of the history uh, centered around him that maybe we don't know besides, you know, the Gettysburg address being killed by John Wilkes Booth and all of that stuff. Uh, I had to, definitely, because when you put that top hat on, you get asked a lot of questions. There's a lot of historians out there. So to date now, I probably have over 300 books on Mr. Lincoln, the Civil War, slavery. There's so many aspects of it. 
and I review them a lot, and I underline things in there, and um, I have learned definitely quite a bit, of which I did not know before myself. Like I said, I was not a historian, so it's all new and fascinating to me, and there's always something new being brought up having to do with uh, that time period and how it ties in with everything else. Uh, what did you think about the movie, Lincoln? Oh, Steven Spielberg's movie? <laughs> I it found it very enjoyable. I think it was very true to life that at the very end when it shows him stumbling out of the White House to go off to the theater, uh, he was worn out. He was not feeling well. He was You could probably say he was sick. He had lost 20 pounds in this time of being president. He worked seven days a week for over four years. So it, it took a big toll on him, and I think they presented that rather well. And also the way he spoke. Uh, with a kind of a southern twang to his voice, and he really didn't have a deep voice, though that's kind of what people expect. Maybe he had more of a little bit of a higher Kentucky twang to it. Yeah, I, I remember when the movie come, came out, and I think some people were uh, surprised about the way that he sounded, but I guess the historians were saying that was more like how he how he really sounded. But, you know... Uh, Correct. Versus, like, the way that we think that he probably sounded. Correct. And you think, well, did they have any audio of him back then? Did the <laughs> photography was just coming in, but definitely we had no audio at the time. But what we did have was newspaper reporters, and they would write down every detail as accurately as they could so that the, her, their readers could picture in their mind what was going on. And so they would write exactly how he walked, how he talked, if his clothes were wrinkled, if his hat was dented in one spot, or it was just everything about him. So they know just from the reporter's description of how he spoke and how fast he spoke, or you could say maybe how slow he spoke. Being that... So is, is, oh, that you got your, uh, is that where you got your... I'm not sure what you should call it, but when you are looking to draw some inspiration for how to personify Lincoln, is that what you draw from? What I draw from and how I present myself with Lincoln is after reading so much about him, you feel like you take on that personality, you take on that character. And I am so comfortable being myself or being Mr. Lincoln that a lot of times I don't even think about it and someone will come up to me and they'll comment about how they felt that that is Mr. Lincoln. That's how he would walk. That's how he would bend over to talk to a young child or that's how he would be speaking in front of 15,000 people using his hands in the air, flailing them around, walking, strutting around. So I, I kind of think that I just do that naturally just from uh, just all the information that I have gathered about him. Now, being that you've played Lincoln so many times, um, sometimes when you go to the theater, do you kind of um, wince a little bit? <laughs> uh, hide in the back somewhere, make sure there's a wall behind me. That's funny. And also at a restaurant, I don't stay in a booth. You know, I, don't give me a booth. I want a chair and a table. Yeah. No, no not really. But believe it or not, when we do Civil War reenactments, those Confederate soldiers always seem to have free theater tickets for me. I don't know why. 
Oh boy. Uh, but like, you know what? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna sit these this one out. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be a smart idea. <laughs> All right. So so let's get into uh, t- to Twins Peaks. Twin Peaks. Um, now yeah. now you kind of let us in on how the audition process uh, was for you. But let me. Were you very familiar about the the series from 1990? Yes, very much so. I I watched it when I was a young whippersnapper, and believe it or not, I got both uh, um, CDs of the music from Twin Peaks and the movie. I had those. For, I've had those for 20 years, 25 years, and I would listen to them off and on. So I was definitely a Twin Peaks uh, a groupie, I guess you could say. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so when we finally realized what the heck was going on, I felt honored to be a part of it. You know what's funny, though? Just thinking about it, like, you used to watch it way back when, and then never not knowing that one day you would become one of the most uh, important cogs in that machine. <laughs> like, if you could go back in time and and tell your old yourself back then that when you were watching it it'd be it's kind of crazy though right oh definitely oh yeah 20 some years ago i had little kids running around i was busy pounding nails yes this, if someone would have said in the future young man you are going to be in the third uh, you know a uh, series of this i think no doing what be, you know being in construction Oh, definitely. I would have definitely. That would have been a good belly laugh. <laughs> uh, Jen, you started to say something. I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. No, I, I was just going to say it's just it, it's so awesome that Twin Peaks has such a uh, it almost has a culture around it. It's not just an event. It's actually a culture of people that get around this. And it's amazing. I actually watched this in uh, sometime in the late 90s, I want to say. And uh, one year, I actually went as the log lady for a Halloween party because I was so impressed with how the, just the whole everything panned out. So it's, it's, And it's amazing that it crosses sort of generational lines as well. It's, re- it's not very many things get to do that. I agree. And isn't it... It's, he was groundbreaking back then, doing things that nobody else did, and then 25 years later, when everybody else is copying him, how do you come up with something new and different or something that people aren't expecting? But he did it, didn't he? He did. He definitely did. And let's talk about episode eight. Uh, episode eight, uh, first of all, uh, it was so funny. Um the season, you know, was going very well, and then all of a sudden, they throw this curveball episode that was just, you know, at first you're, you're watching it, and you're like, it seems like it's just going to start off kind of no- as normal as Twin Peaks can be, and then all of a sudden it goes left, but in a great way, and then it just becomes this whole other thing, and then, you know, and then we get to, to your character, and I remember, like, I, that's... I don't watch a lot of TV shows, but one time, right? Uh, like most, even right. episodes, even shows that we cover, I only watch the episodes once. I've probably seen episode eight, probably about four or five times, which is you know, which is a lot. 
for me, you know, who don't because I just don't have time to watch shows m- multiple times. Right. Once I got to get everything out of one. Right. But that episode was so good and it was so it was definitely a breath of fresh air that uh, I, I, I would show it to people. I would show it to people who've never even watched Twin Peaks. I would just show them, like, just watch this one episode, <laughs> you know. And uh, you know, some people loved it, got it, even though they didn't know anything that was going on in it, but they loved it, you know. And they were trying to interpret what was going on in it. And then some people said, "Oh, that's just too weird," <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it definitely is weird, and I think on on that particular episode. He showed us things that we hadn't seen for a while. The atomic bomb. We all knew it happened. We've seen maybe pictures in, in our history books in school. But he took a chance on things, and he was successful with them. I was mesmerized when the atomic bomb went off. And just all the thoughts that go through your brain as you're watching that in slow motion come up, rise up, and spread out. And you're, you're thinking of the fish in the ocean. You're thinking of the air, the pollution, the birds, the people. And all this stuff is just racing around in your brain while it's happening in slow motion. Now, now there are quite a bit of people that were in this last season that have gone on, you know, has passed. So I can, I must imagine that you guys shot this quite a while ago, right? It was about a year and a half ago. It took a, a lot, I guess, in uh, post-production. But, yeah, we shot it about a year and a half ago. I had to even look it up myself because it definitely wasn't last year. It was a year before that, oh, tor- wow. towards the end of the season. So our shots out there in the desert were a little cold. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because, th- you know, there was there's quite a bit of people who've died s- who since, you know, this was shot. So I was hoping right. that uh, possibly uh, David Bowie might have been in it, but I guess he wasn't able to uh, to be in it. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about uh, David Lynch. Uh, what was it like to meet him and work with him? It, isn't that something? Oh my gosh! There, there's so many things going through my brain just as just bringing up David Lynch. We first were introduced to him. There were four of us woodsmen for these scenes that we were shooting out in the desert, and we were all made up the way you saw us, and we're just kind of standing around there talking. Well, this car pulls up, and uh, Mr. Lynch and Kyle get out, and they come over to us, and like I said, we're this is a mystery. We don't know what the heck's going on yet. And they come over, and they very friendly introduce themselves, and they're looking at us. So they're checking us out to see who's going to do this and who's going to do that. And... Uh, and then they get in the car and they leave. So that was kind of like the first introduction. But during the filming of our scenes, he directs, but he leaves you alone, if that kind of makes sense. He, he gave us the opportunity to take the role that we had and do something with it. So he didn't really micro-direct us. He gave us some ideas. He told us what his main idea was. If we did something a little fast, he'd say slow down. But uh, he gave us some lever- uh, some uh, leeway on on uh, what our uh, character was kind of after. You know, the the small interest uh, idiosyncrasies. He left that up to us. Oh wow, that's a, that's amazing. Um, now the uh, the the statement that he makes. Um, 
Do you do you remember it? Well, well, mean mean my statements. Yeah, like I'm the water, the well. Oh, isn't that, isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 this, uh, this is this is the water, and this is the well. Drink full and descend. The horse is the white of the eyes and dark within. Kind of a rhyme, so you can kind of remember a little bit. And of course, I know God of Light. <laughs> that, one, that one that's I know in my sleep. Yeah, that's the name of the episode. Got to like. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, that is so cool. Like, did they did they give you any kind of insight to what you were saying with the meaning as it comes to all of this? Not at the time. No, everything. I we didn't even have uh, the call sheet for the day. We didn't have the lines until the very moment that we were doing it. It wasn't our copy. Uh, it, and you normally, sometimes you can find a copy sitting here and a copy sitting there. Uh, those weren't even around. They were very hush-hush about everything. And so only a few moments before we were shooting a scene did we really know what was going on, who was where, what our lines were going to be. Yes, it was, oh my gosh, it was uh, very, very uh, top secret. So they get, wow. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jen. No, I, I'm, I'm actually mesmerized. This is, it, 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 this is no less than what I would have expected someone to say, but it just sounds almost surreal to have it be verified sort of in, uh, because, you know, when you're watching the screen, of course, you don't see the stuff that's happening behind the screen, but, uh, but, it, but what you're saying feels exactly like what you see on the screen. Correct. And and we had to use our imagination on a lot of this, not because it was uh, green screen or anything like that, but just, you know, the, the typical line, what is my motivation? You had to visualize, maybe put yourself in his brain and see what is he looking for? What what are we doing here? What What's supposed to happen? And uh, so we kind of had to fill that in ourselves, you know, within a couple of moments, and then we would shoot it. And I was enjoying it, watching it just as you were, seeing how he tied everything together, how, how on the scene with the radio station, how the music was playing and the people were listening. That was all tied together later because we obviously we only did our particular scenes at the radio station. So interesting how we put it all together, but that was new to me also. Now, you're a married man, right? Correct. 42 years. Have you have you tried uh, saying that to your wife to see if she'll uh, go into a trance? <laughs> <laughs> I know better than that, young man. <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't work on her anyway. Um, now, I I know you. There was no way to know exactly how it was going to all come together, but. What was the what was it like working with the other actors that were involved? Because you killed, I think you killed what about three people in that episode. I I I, w I was able to I was honored to squish two heads. Yes, the uh, the receptionist at the front office desk and also the radio man. And he got a slow kill too, because you were kind of working on him for a while <laughs> before you, you finished him off. <laughs> well, yes, their their heads are rather hard, and you know I had to have a good firm grip on them to 
get some of that blood oozing out to make it look good for Mr. Lynch. <laughs> now, now, what was the, the what was it that they had on you to, to give you that oil um, look? Well, it was uh, black, obviously. It was two or three, though the filming was in black and white. It was two or three shades of black. They had sprayed black paint in our noses, in our ears. We had black, uh, later on it was chocolate syrup, but we had black, I guess you could say, makeup in our mouth so mm. that everything was totally black. Oh, wow. Was it hard getting it off? Uh, yes, and nowadays the trick is, if you want to do that for Halloween, the the good trick is uh, shaving cream. Just foam a lot of that in your hand and just rub it all over yourself. Wow. Wow. Uh, so oh, where'd you guys film that at, by the way? We, the desert scenes, my scenes, were out in the desert in uh, the city of not Barstow, the city, Mojave, Mojave City, down there, uh, out there, oh, heck, trying to think where in the heck, uh, Lancaster area. Now, you're credited for episode 8 and 14, but if I remember correctly, they, they just showed an image from episode 8, right? Or did you Correct, show yes, it was, yes, I didn't uh, have any lines in 14, and it was just, I think, a retrospect back, uh, to re, uh, to uh, episode eight. Yes, I knew nothing about that, and someone told me, you know, after they'd seen it before I did. They said, "Oh, you're in episode 14. I said, "Oh my my, okay." <laughs> now, uh, uh, you know, you said that um, they didn't tell you about what what uh, those words meant, but um, did you do you have some kind of insight now? Is that or is something that you can share? The- <laughs> So much of that is still a mystery. Uh, It definitely ties back to the horse that was in 25 years ago. Um, And I think it's, you know how he gets into your brain in this show. And I think uh, the idea of the well is, I I think it's, it's, it's us. It's the well inside of us. And uh, drink full, I think is kind of maybe commenting about take in what you can of your surroundings and, Maybe digest it all yourself, and what is the answer that you come up with? You know, hopefully it's the same answer as mine, or if it's totally different, let's discuss it. But um, I think it's, it's, which is what the show does, is it makes you think in in slow motion. Isn't it fascinating how so many of his scenes take minutes, Mm -hmm. where in other shows they just race right on through everything? Yeah, I love that, Uh, Jen. I mean, I think we've talked about that. Uh, in just our own private conversations about how the pacing, uh, you know, it's it's definitely not what they try to do now, but it's definitely a breath of fresh air. What do you think, Jen? Yeah, it's a it's, it's a different kind of storytelling, and I think that that might be the core of why uh, Twin Peaks is as successful as it is. It 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 tells its own story first of all, but it tells its own story at its own pace. You know, one thing that I keep thinking back to in terms of the words that were spoken is, and I'm not sure how to sort of internalize or I'm not sure how to actually create the strings that I'm looking for, but when I heard those lines, what I heard was the white of the eyes, meaning like you have to, uh, you have to embrace your, it's not your enemy, but you have to embrace what scares you first before you can escape it. 
and I, that it sticks with me over and over again. I think maybe because there's also the dark involved. I don't know. There's something sort of, uh, um, there's almost something really sinister in there that it is sort of just below the surface. And, and haven't we always thought of the white of your eyes as being innocent? I mean, you are the color, you are the middle of your eye, and the color of your eye is surrounding that. And everybody forgets about the white of your eyes, but he's making us re-look at that. Yeah, or 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 the white of your eye, the way that I, I guess, the way that I thought about it at first. And maybe, who knows, I, I, I have so many crazy theories about this. But the, when I hear the white of the eyes, what I always go back to and think of is uh, the way that they conducted old battle, which is basically, look, don't shoot because you're going to waste your time until you see the whites of their eyes, meaning that you're close enough now to actually know who your enemy is and be able to have a good shot of defeating them. Ooh, I like that. And and I have to say, your performance was excellent. I, I was... You know, the first time I watched the episode, you definitely were, you know, you and the uh, the frog uh, grasshopper <laughs> were definitely yeah. were definitely as far as the the um, the actors that were involved in in this project, uh, this episode were definitely what stood out. I remember I remember uh, turning to a friend of mine saying, "I want to talk to that guy," <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> so. I, and uh, yes, well, fortunate too. Well, there you are. Well, I'm honored to be on your show. The we didn't want. I'm saying we. I mean, collectively, the Woodsman and David Lynch and uh, Mark Frost and all that were. I don't think we wanted zombies. You know, mindless zombies roaming around, and uh, which is kind of what everybody's doing these days. So. The challenge is to find something maybe a little more intelligent, <laughs> you know, that maybe has a purpose than just moping around, and uh, and and it appears that we we got that across. Yeah. You know, arguably, I would say that that is far more terrifying than the than mindless zombies. I, it, honestly, anything that has intellect that can still operate on that level is pretty terrifying. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. My my mother was actually in town and she watched that episode actually the, the same time I watched it. And uh she thought she was like, "Wow, this is terrifying." <laughs> <laughs> so, you scared my mother. So, I told her earlier uh when I talked to her that I was going to be talking to you and she told me to tell you that you scared her. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Well, tell her hi for me, okay? Maybe, will, maybe will, use a high voice. She won't be scared to say, hi. <laughs> I will definitely do that. And she remembers. My mother don't remember a lot of that stuff. She definitely remember that. So she's like, uh, <laughs> so she might, she's, might work good for a uh, anti-smoking uh, campaign also. <laughs> I think so. Right. Definitely. For sure. Now, um, uh, I know that, uh, unfortunately there seems to be no talks about a season four, uh, which, uh, you know, I'm, I, I believe that they can, there's a lot of stuff they could go, you know, there's more story there. I, I think David Lynch, if, if I can recall, I think he's him and Mark Farrell said they felt like this was it, but you know, I mean, they said that 
uh, he said that before. So, um, have you heard anything about a, a season four or anything like that? Nothing. Zero. Zero. Zilch. And and anytime we get together, which we do uh, periodically, uh, it, that subject gets brought up. But there, no, they are not going to say anything. Uh, David will probably be the first one to announce that. But no, he, they aren't telling us anything. Mm. Oh, okay. So you've seen him since uh, since you guys shot that. Um, once, but uh, he's a busy man, and so pretty much uh, uh, Sabrina. Uh, assistant production uh, producer she yes she uh, we've uh, met with her a few times and some of the cast members and some of the behind the scenes people and of course we always bring up the idea well what about season four and uh, they just kind of look and smile and leave it at that how about this a woodsman spinoff (laughs) (laughs) well they didn't kill me so there's always hope yeah, like it could be the woodsman, you know. After after the events of episode eight, you know, maybe he goes to uh, Vegas or something like that, and he opens up a casino and <laughs> sucks the people's <laughs> brains out or something. Or maybe like I go to Washington and squeeze a couple more heads. <laughs> oh yeah, please come, woodsman, please. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm I'm putting it out there, woodsman spinoff. I'd watch it for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, sounds so, good. I'll do it. Yeah. So uh, now the only thing though is, uh, um, you know, uh, you know this, ep- you know, the, the Woodsmen. They they were in, I believe, Firewalk with Me was the first time where you had the concept of the Woodsmen, but they didn't have the oil on them. And uh, this version of you now, you weren't one of the the Woodsmen that revive. Kyle McLaughlin, right? That you weren't one of them, right? No, correct. I was not in any of the originals. And remember, these are in black and white, so that's right. why it's it's we're you know we're projecting back to the past, so that's why it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's where the difference comes in. Like you were saying, the comment the originals weren't all black, but now they are. Right. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to make that clear in case somebody was wondering were you one of the uh the revivers uh that that you were not so no uh, I, I think i was still in diapers back then <laughs> maybe not <laughs> so uh do you do you have anything else jen before we uh get to the next thing um well, you know i wanted to ask one quick question uh, while you were filming this right just from uh and this is just a, a, a pure sort of in my geeky mode <laughs> when you say that you didn't have any idea of sort of what you were filming right did you have any context um in terms of like continuity with what was going to come before what was going to come after what you shot or was it simply they just put you in the middle of something and said here you go this is what you need to do i think the the latter the what you had just said um because it was, as you know, the whole show was just so cut up. Uh, if they were to even explain what happened before, we would still go, what? Or, or <laughs> after. So we, we pretty much had to look around where we're at, uh, the surroundings, what we're working with, what we're doing, and just 
do that small segment and do it the best we can, or the, our best interpretation of it, and then we'll let them tie it all in themselves. Wow. Well, it was really effective. It, it, it's amazing that there wasn't enough, or there wasn't any uh, sort of advanced knowledge of what if, what was going to come before, what was going to come after, because it feels really seamless. Definitely, yes, yeah. It was, yeah, nothing at all. We it was mums the word. <laughs> all right. So uh, what's, let's t- talk about the future. Uh, I know you have uh, several more projects that are coming out. And because uh, I think you did uh, Pee Wee's uh, Holiday after you did Twin Peaks. Oh, gosh. Now you're making me think. <laughs> um, no, I, I had actually done that one before. Mm. So, so, yes, I believe I had done, it, had done it before. It may have. No, it didn't come out after. No, because it all came. No, it all all before. And then, uh, because of my beard, I had done a couple of uh, independent uh, movies having to do with Amish. I can kind of fit into that. Oh, that's yeah, huh? yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Uh. And then we were in the middle of a production now of something that's been going on for oh, about five or six years. No, about four or five years now, where uh, we're filming a new revised version of the trip to the moon which came out back and i think it was 1919 something like that so this is kind of a steampunk version of trip to the moon by brian finn and uh so we're shooting that a couple times a year and running back to new york to do that so i'll be heading back there pretty soon oh nice all right so you have a you have a, a lot going on well, with the also the Civil War reenactments, and I feel honored and blessed to present Lincoln, so I do it at schools, uh, civic events, where we're teaching history, you know, before it just all disappears, or we get it so tweaked out of, out of whack that nobody knows what happened, what didn't happen, what's right, what's wrong. So I, I feel we have a big challenge with uh, I, a lot of our younger people nowadays, that uh, maybe this particular aspect of history is only one paragraph in a history book. Well, let's expand that a little bit. Now, you know, they did uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Maybe you should do your own uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln Woodsman. (laughs) Well, he was a woodsman, so we can tie that in. I like that. You write it, and I'll star in it. All right, I'm going to do it. We should collaborate on that, Kinsey. We should totally get that pitched. All right, let's do it. Let's definitely do that. <laughs> That's for sure. Now, let me ask a, a personal question. You said you were married for 42, you're married for 42 years, and I know that the beard uh, brings you work and money, but uh, does your wife prefer you bearded or without the beard? Wow. Uh, I don't know if I've asked her that. I'd probably be too scared to find out what the answer is. <laughs> she has gotten used to it. Let's put it that way. Uh, I didn't grow my beard until I was in my 50s, the same with Mr. Lincoln, and I grew it because of the independent film called Grace Bedell, which is why Mr. Lincoln grew his beard, because of a young lady in New York, her name was Grace Bedell, that suggested him grow whiskers. So once I grew it and everybody kind of realized, okay, Dad is stuck with this, or we're stuck with Dad with this, <laughs> that uh, they pretty much all accepted it, my children and my wife. 
Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And, and you know what? Uh, you can always say this beard will get you some new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> baby needs new shoes now it's grandkids need new shoes <laughs> that's right that is definitely right so um what's the next project though that we can um catch you in is that a trip to a trip to the moon trip y- yes trip trip to the moon is um uh like i said it's in uh it's still in production and it'll probably be another year before that one comes out but uh, that's definitely uh, one to anticipate coming up i think it's going to be a a very good production a very good show and he's taking his time on that like david lynch does <laughs> and so i think that's going to be really really high quality and uh like i said i'm i'm doing live events keeps me pretty busy all right all right and are, are you on social media at all i'm on facebook yes and i've got uh, a website if anybody's interested and you can which is kind of scary but you can google me and you'll see all kinds of information all right so we got to definitely uh, what's the website uh having to do with mr lincoln it's abrahamlincolnlives.com oh okay cool. abrahamlincolnlives.com all right i like it all right yeah nice simple i love it well thank you so much sir for coming on the program and uh, we wish you all the the su- luck and support uh and we i definitely enjoyed you on the show and i'm looking forward to uh to whatever you have coming up uh next wonderful well thank you for inviting me and kente and jen uh it was nice getting to know you and maybe uh you'll i'll see you both at one of our civil war reenactments coming up how's that that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. All right. Well, thank you. Okie so dokie. All right. Take care. All right. Well, that was that was cool. Uh, that was a great interview. That was very cool. Yeah, and you know, uh, like I said, that episode uh, got a light, or episode eight was awesome, and he was awesome in it. And I, I just thought the whole season was very, very well done. I, I thought that uh, it was such a breath of fresh air because, you know, like, there's a lot of great shows on, right? And I and we've talked about this many times that this is the golden age of television. But to have this kind of sprinkled in, you know, like, I'm going to be honest with you. This last season of Game of Thrones was amazing, right? For but, sure. But you know what? I actually, they came on at the same time. I actually watched Twin Peaks, then I watched the Game of Thrones episodes. Oh, wow, that's, that's wow. You may get some hate, you really may get some hate mail over that, but uh, I, yeah. I, I think I... No, and I love Game people, of Thrones, though. Game of Thrones was amazing. It, I just was more, I was looking for more towards Twin Peaks than I was, uh, you know, maybe because there's more, there's another season coming, but... But I was just enjoying the season so much that uh, I couldn't wait well, for the next episode. You know, see, the thing is with Twin Peaks, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't know how much this will echo what other people think about it, but one of the reasons that I love Twin Peaks so much is because basically it is, it, it is 100% fan theory proof. You can't, no fan could ever come up with whatever is rattling around in David Lynch's mind 
It just doesn't work. And the way that the Twin Peaks universe unfolds is so unique and so incredibly compelling in, in both an artistic and almost a visual sleight of hand kind of way that it is compelling to watch because you just don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know if it's going to tie in with something in the past. You just, you just feel like you're along for this massive ride. And that's what I think makes it successful. A lot of other uh, series have a very tried and true narrative formula to them. And so, you know, we know at the beginning we're going to have X and then Y and then Z and then a little something else. And then maybe they'll change it up. But with Twin Peaks, it was alphabet soup. There was no way to figure out what might happen next. Yeah, I mean... There were times where I tried to figure out some stuff, and I was just like, you know, I'm going to just let this happen. You know, <laughs> I was like, I'm just letting it be. But, uh, it was, you know, it was amazing, the, you know, all the way to the very end. And uh, I'm just looking forward to this new, um, you know, uh, to watch this new season once again. You know, uh, now that it's, you know, it's over... And I've went through all the episodes. I'm going to actually do something I don't normally do. I'm going to actually rewatch the whole season again. It was that that good. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. When I was excited about the new season, but I was a little nervous. Because, you know, in life, you know how, like, your favorite group broke up and then they come back 20 years later and they don't sound as good and you're disappointed or, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. you know, there was, you know, I wasn't quite sure if it was going to be what I hoped it to be. Right. And then I would say about 15 minutes into the first episode, I felt comfort. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be, you know, this wasn't a rehash. Like it wasn't, they didn't do fan service. Not, I mean, they didn't do fan service yeah. on a, they did it, I guess, to a certain degree, but they didn't do, like, they could have done things that would have been totally, you know, massaging the backs of the fans. They did not do that. And you got to give them credit for that. That, that That's bold it, to do that. It, it, it is. And, and it's really, it's very rare anymore to have a show that is willing to break out of the, uh, I don't know what the word, what a really good word is, but I think from a thematic standpoint, it, it when you have a show that's willing to break all the norms, that's, that's willing to not adhere to any of the tried and true methods that we know keep audiences watching, and you still have something compelling to tell and show, that's not just, that's not just, uh, good writing or good directing, that's good everything. I mean, it takes uh, an army of people to put this kind of stuff together. And the fact that, that the, uh, that, well, the fact that David Lynch was able to pull some of this stuff all together, which is narratively all over the place, is a real testament to the way that Twin Peaks operates as a story. It's, it's so unconventional that you can't really say exactly how this might unfold. My only complaint with Twin Peaks is at the very end, and don't get me wrong, I loved the finale, Mm -hmm. but 
I wanted more answers. I, I, I mean, I was, I had popcorn. I was hoping against all hope. There were plenty of reveals, but I wanted more answers. And maybe that's just, you know, you leave the door open because you kind of have to after everything that's happened. But it was a little bit of a letdown knowing that this is probably the end, that we didn't kind of get more meat on the here's what really was going on uh, bone, if you will. Well, yeah, but but you know, if you've ever seen the David Lynch movie or, (laughs) you know, especially (laughs) post-Fire Walk with me, definitely post-Fire Walk with me, it's never... Like none of those movies have that kind of ending to it, where you're like, "Oh, okay, that's everything that you know." Like, so I oh mean, yeah, I, I totally was. I was definitely not surprised. The one thing though, the Audrey storyline, I didn't care for. I kind of, you know, I didn't care for the Audrey storyline. You know, that was the that was probably my biggest gripe about it was the whole Audrey storyline. Um. And I, the 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 guy with the green fist glove, <laughs> oh, yeah. was kind of was kind of uh, like okay, what the heck was that? Uh, you know, you know, obviously uh, he ended up playing the one of the most pivotal parts in it. But you know, one thing though, I was a little, the one thing I was a little frustrated with was okay, we weren't getting Agent Cooper right. But, right. but when he's like, when you finally get him, that moment is so fulfilling and awesome. The way they do it, it, it was actually pretty cool. <laughs> you know, like when he when when um he has that moment and he says uh, he he says something to the effect like I'm back uh, and a hundred percent or something like that, and then he says, "Do you need me to call the FBI?" And he looks and he goes, "I am the FBI." That. I am the FBI. Yeah, that, that was is great. so cool. That was a that was a great moment, you know. Because at first, I I be honest with you, I didn't like Dougie, and then you grew to love Dougie's character because he was so good, and what a gift! David Lynch gave Kyle MacLachlan a gift in this series because a lot of times, you know, you are brought back to rehash the same character that we all fell in love with. And what David Lynch did was give him something totally different that he's never played before. And he gave right. him a lot. That's why Kyle McLaughlin was so happy because I don't think he would, I don't think he really wanted to just play Dale, you know, like I think the way they did it was a lot more satisfying to him as an actor because he was doing something different. And I think I even seen him in an interview say that when that moment came where he was actually Dale Cooper again, that you know he loved that moment it was like you know you know and he you know he went you know he he, it fit just like a glove you know you you totally felt the change you know so uh it 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 was character satisfying it felt like there was something uh deep going on with the character whether whether we understood everything that was happening or not it still had a really nice satisfaction I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, really cool. Uh, great. You know, I, I kind of wish I did. we did podcasts after each episode uh, because uh, this was just a weird time. Uh, you know, I had a lot going on. 
I really wish because it was so cool to I watched all the podcasts and video, you know, uh, the different, you know, uh, on air uh, YouTube reviews. Like I would watch them and uh, really got a lot of enjoyment in hearing people's thoughts after each episode. And I thought people did a great job. The one thing the one thing that I loved about seeing all the talk about it was. I was a little afraid that like this was going to be like this niche thing that no one was going to really talk about, you know, not really like on the level, but there was quite a bit of outlets that were talking about it. And I thought that was pretty cool that and they, they gave a really good, interesting uh, commentary. Yeah, that, I, I think that sort of uh, harkens back to what I was talking about before when I said that because this is separated by such a huge body of time, it is it is a real testament to the story that people got together enough to, like, generational, basically, over over uh, a generational period, got together to really enjoy the show because people that were are in their 20s now clearly never saw the original Twin Peaks, and yet they found it amazing because, the, you know, you can go back and, and even... The, the one thing that I found the most interesting was I had talked to somebody who had never seen the original Twin Peaks and didn't know anything about it. Started watching, had no idea sort of what was going on, and still was totally hooked in. So there's something happening always here that is not just compelling, but it, but it, it there's a level of sort of drag you in that this story has that very few stories I think can do. I mean, I can pick up a whole lot of series. I can pick up Game of Thrones in the middle almost, and I can still feel like, okay, I've, I've got enough information based on what the characters reference and how they're going to reference things in the future and some foreshadowing here and some flashbacks here, but Twin Peaks doesn't operate that way. So, I, again, I just I, I think it is such a testament to the narrative that you get people who have seen it in the past and people who've never seen it in the past and they're still excited about it. Yeah, great show, great season. I I, I would hope they would do a season four. That'd be awesome. Um, so you know, hopefully it's not another twenty five years <laughs> before they do it again. But <laughs> but that, this the one last thing I want to talk about is. Is okay. I didn't rewatch the series until after episode. Uh, I think what they show one and two, and then three and four, right? Or I think all four came out, right? Yeah, all four came out like in the beginning, right? So I watched the first four episodes, and then I realized, you know what? It's been a long time since I've seen it. So then I went back and rewatched the whole series before episode five. Oh wow! Right, I watched the whole thing, uh, and like I said, I don't rewatch stuff that much, right? And I had a wonderful time rewatching the series because it's been a long time since. Because at first I was just gonna watch the pilot, and because I think I was gonna just watch the pilot, the episode where you find out who killed Laura Palmer, and then like the finale, and then and then I said, Nah, let me watch episode two, let me watch episode three. Next thing you know, like I was like on a marathon, like a crazy marathon watching it. Cause I was doing a lot of work on the computer, so I was able to have it go on, like play while I was, you know, working on stuff. So, but um, but uh, one thing that I wanted to rewatch in the the original series was 
Because when the new series start, it starts with, you know, 25 years, you know, in 25 years, right? Laura Palmer right. tells uh, Agent Dale Cooper, and he, and I said, wait a minute, I didn't remember that. And I was like, did they like re like re edit it to make it like, you know, make it like that's what she said? And I went back and saw the original. I said, that is freaky. That dang near twenty five years ago. It's twenty five years after Firewalk with Me. The series comes back. It's like, did they know something? You know, like <laughs> like that is kind of freaky that they said that. And then I saw a thing about the whole twenty five years. And uh, Mark Frost said that that wasn't in the original script because that was the season season two finale. I think, yeah, it was a season two finale. And they said that when they were about to shoot that scene, David Lynch added that at the last minute. Well, because my understanding is that when they first ran Twin Peaks, David Lynch hadn't uh, there, there was never an intent to reveal who. Uh, it, it, there, there was never a reveal. They, they were never going to reveal the crime. Well, not not reveal the crime. They were never going to try to solve the crime. Mm-hmm. And so that, but it sounds to me like they ended up having to do that. Like that was a forced thing. And so maybe that's why it feels a little bit tacked on. Well, no, 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 no. The fact that I'll see you in 25 years. Because th- that's all she says is I s- I'll see you in 25 years. And then 25 years well, later. Right. That's what I was that's well, what right. I'm referring to. Which is crazy that 25 years ago, like, you know, like, there is... Because they said they didn't even realize it until it was time to rewrite it. I mean, to write the, ep- the, uh, the season. And they said they went back and rewatched it. And then they saw that scene, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I forgot I said that." You know, you know that's what they were. Oh, playing. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so they they said they didn't even remember that. So oh, I got you. you know, and and you know what's interesting too, like I've heard that because you know there was going to be a season three back at, back then, right? And like what I've heard about the season three did was not good. <laughs> you know, it was it was something like uh, Dale Cooper opens a he he moves the Twin Peaks and opens a bait and tackle shop, something crazy like that, and and then there was supposed to be a spinoff of Audrey going to uh, Hollywood or something, some crazy or whatever. They actually, you know, they actually were gonna do a spinoff, but uh, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work. Thank God. So. <laughs> Because it was a terrible. Oh yeah, I'm glad they did. But um, you know, it's just funny though that you know that 25 years later, and then you know, just you know, 25 years later, post um, Firewalk with Me, that the new Twin Peaks, you know, happens. It's pretty interesting. You know. I I have to I have to say that I'm really. It was Showtime that saw this instead of uh, trying to pitch this on regular TV. Well, network TV. Uh, even even an AMC, even uh, um, pretty much anybody else. It, the fact that it was on 
uh, a pay channel, I think, gives it not just better it's, uh, production in terms of what was able to be used for resources, but also it gives it a, 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 almost a, a better quality in terms of making the fans gather around this purposefully. And it, 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 in, it, I know this is going to sound elitist, <laughs> so I'm sorry, but it, it helps to have people who are dedicated to a story be dedicated to the story instead of sort of passing it out to the masses, who some people half-heartedly like, but sometimes they end up really ruining the experience because it just gets out of control. And in a show like Twin Peaks, where there's just so much going on and so much to argue about, it almost felt better to have that fan base a little bit more be almost behind a wall. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's funny that I'm glad, like, it, it's probably best to watch this this season, like, back to back to back, you know, like, binge watch it. But I was glad that it was coming on week to week versus, like, the Netflix because one is it gave you, it was like all this water cooler talk in between each you know, episode and it gave you, it gave you something to look forward to for Sunday nights. Uh, you know, obviously until, uh, Game of Thrones came in and, uh, I just thought that it was, I was glad that it was like each week I had to wait a week, even though I was going crazy. Like I wanted to know next what was going to happen and all of that stuff. But I, you know, I guess I like slowly torturing myself. <laughs> I yeah. guess that's what it is. I, I actually feel I actually feel the same way about a lot of shows. In fact, there are shows uh, so out of the norm. But I don't binge watch a lot. I actually go a couple of days before I watch uh, a new episode of almost everything except Stranger Things. Um, but the, but the reason for that is because I see I want to enjoy it, and a little bit like having sort of a nine course meal. It's delicious and it's amazing, but there is so much that you'll never be able to take out the subtle nuances of the things that you really might enjoy if you don't take a little bit of time and sort of think about it, let it gel, give it some mental headspace. And that is, I think, what, again, what makes or what made Twin Peaks so incredibly effective is you have to wait for a little while in order to sort of get to the next level, which gives you a whole week to think about what just happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I love it. You know, I, I love it. And even though, like I said, it it, it uh, drove me a little crazy because I wanted to see what was happening. And, you know, but um, and I'm glad that they showed the last two episodes together. I think that those ep those episodes needed to be shown together. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it was it was long, but but at the same time that long actually felt it felt really satisfying i think it would have been really hard to wait for the next episode again when you were so close it, 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 i think that that would have almost been cruel yeah to be honest it have been too cruel well uh once again we want to thank uh actor robert broski for joining us and and uh sharing his uh twin peak experience and uh, also, I want to thank you, Jen, for hanging out with me. You bet. Thanks, Jen. Hey, this was great. And uh, next week, we'll be joined by author Sakeem Ibrahim. And uh, I was so fortunate to uh, meet her about 
this has been about a month ago at the Lemert Park Book Fair, and she's going to be so nice to come on the show and share with us uh, some of her writings and her career. She's a dancer, and uh, you know, I'm going to try to uh, convince her to to take me on as a student. Uh, so <laughs> so uh that'll be next week and then we're gonna get into some topics and stuff and and uh it'll be a lot of fun but uh once again how can people get you in social media people can get me on social media on facebook through critical lab and they can get me on twitter at following bliss one all right, and you can follow me at Twitter at Kente F. And also you can go to our website. That's IndyRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. We'll catch you next time right here.